New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. All right, here we go. <laughs> Please subscribe to the channel. Please. Hey guys, YouTube's got an algorithm and it really, really help us out a lot. If you could like, comment and subscribe, this is how we can get more information out to more people and uh, share the message of Toronto real estate. In Thanks. that order, like, comment, subscribe and hit the damn bell. Hey, virtual introduction. Good morning, Mr. Ben Myers. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show. I'd like to introduce you to my Thanks friend, TK. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for coming and uh, joining us today. I'm sure that you have 10,000 more important things to do than talk to us this morning. So we appreciate your time. Yeah. Yes, yeah, just absolutely. My, my kids bugging me, that's all. That's it. Nothing important. Just the kids bugging you. <laughs> Daddy's got to make some money. Well, we do it on Sunday mornings because we know that with our work schedules and everything else, like the, Sunday morning is really the most consistent time that people have, but it also becomes usually the family time. So I know we're taking you away, so we appreciate it. And uh, we can talk all about uh, the Toronto real estate uh, market. And this is called the Toronto real estate show. So we try to stay on topic. Usually doesn't happen very often. But, TK, uh, TK tries to today. stay on topic and I try and derail him every chance I get. But you know what? Nutshell. It's a good thing that we have Ben here because this market is crazy and Ben Myers has all of the answers. I know it. This is the stop on our voyage where we actually get some of the answers. Ben, what the hell's going on out here? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I thought 2017 was crazy, but uh, this is, uh, this is, you know, setting a new bar. I mean, obviously you've got you know, single detached, you know, resale prices going up 25% a year, townhomes going up 20% a year, but, you know, condo apartments are down, what, uh, 4% uh, year over year. You've got new condo prices up 10%, but you've got rents in, in Toronto down t over 20%, right? So it's it's kind of crazy directional changes in uh, in the marketplace and, uh and your guess is probably as good as mine. I can I I, I can spit off the stats, and uh, but you know in terms of in terms of forecast in terms of forecasting, it's kind of it's kind of anyone's guess at this point in time. I think uh, you know there's been there's at least been a little bit of talk about the government stepping in and and uh, attempting to to cool the market. Whether that is uh, another stress test, I, I don't know. Higher interest rates. Uh, you know, um, I'm sure uh, OSFI and, and uh, the Bank of Canada are, are working on something. They're talking for sure. Everybody's uh, talking. Everybody's talking. It's uh, it's crazy. Canada tried to stop real estate prices from falling and created a bigger bubble. One of the articles from this week. And uh, I mean, so you compared it to 2017. So tell me what, what is what feels the same and what feels different? Yeah, I think it's when I start looking at people start posting trades and, and transactions that are, you know, 200,000, 250,000 uh, above the list price and, and, and numbers that just kind of make you shake your head, right? Uh, you know, my wife wants to upgrade and, and, and move to something larger and there was a, there was a property near us and uh, there was no counter space whatsoever. They had an oven and there was no counter space on either side of the oven. It was the, the weirdest uh, kitchen layout, 25 foot lot, super small, listed at 1.25 million, ended up selling at like 175, right? So it's just like, do people not cook anymore or are they just, they're able to juggle all the stuff that they need and land it in, in place. But uh, yeah, when you see, you know, I think uh, I think there was a, a realtor that 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 post a semi-detached in Leslieville that sold for three million or something. You know, it's it's starting to get 
starting to get out of control. So, you know, as much as I'm generally bullish on, on, on the real estate market, I think if you're, if you're looking to buy right now, I think you should be very careful and, 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 uh, and how much you pay and have a budget and, and stick to it. Don't get too caught up in these, uh, these bidding wars and, uh, and, uh, and keep to your price because, uh, you know, as we saw in 2017, especially in the 905, or suburban markets, it, it took this long for pricing to get back to where it was at the peak of the 2017 market. And probably in some, in some spots, it still hasn't got back to, uh, to where it was in 2017. So you have to be really careful not to get too caught up in the, uh, and, you know, I hate to use the term, but the FOMO and the, <laughs> and the, uh, and the, you know, this, if I don't buy now, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna find anything type of, uh, uh type of decision-making. So that, that would be my, uh, uh, obviously my advice to, to, to anyone that's looking to buy right now. Well, so how do you awesome. do that? If you are looking to buy right now, how do you stay out of the bidding wars? How well, do you, how I do you stay you out know, of their pandemonium? I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's almost a, uh, a, a, a advice of not buying because uh, there seems to be so many bidding wars and, and, uh, and uh, you know, frenzy happening right now. But I think that's, that's the best, that's the best advice. You know, when, when prices are up 15, 20% year over year, I think you need to be really careful in, in, in your purchasing decisions. Right. So, uh, thing that I do business in the new, in the new, new market, just, just buy, buy in the new market. Right. So you, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to deal with bidding wars, right. You have a price and, and, and there you go. And you, and you have it. Daryl, I feel like we didn't give an adequate uh, introduction to Ben. For our viewers who haven't, uh, you know, tuned into him before, I thought everybody knew who Ben was. Well, I feel like we should give a more more profound uh, introduction. Go ahead, Daryl. Well, Ben Myers is a consultant in the new development space. He lets developers know whether or not their projects are feasible, viable, potentially profitable or if they should get the hell out as soon as they can. Uh, ben also does a lot of work in the rental space, I guess uh, analyzing the rental markets for people planning on buying rental buildings or building rental buildings. Uh, I know that Ben also has a podcast that's pretty entertaining called Toronto Under Construction. Uh, he has a quarterly newsletter that I am a big fan of that uh, I rely on quite heavily. Um, How's that? That was great. That was fantastic. Okay, was that okay, Ben? <laughs> yeah, and I also do a lot of work out wrong side with uh, with Baker Real Estate, so uh, I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a plug because they're a great sure. uh, uh, a great partner to uh, to have. They're doing a lot of uh, a lot of the sales in the industry right now. So um, yeah, so lots of stuff. Rentals.ca reports that you mentioned, Land Insights report, podcast. So dipping my toe in a lot of different things. So. So before a developer is going to sink millions of dollars into a project to see if it's viable or not, they're consulting with Ben Myers. They're, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it, uh, they just like to have a second opinion, right? You know, obviously I'm, I'm looking at a lot of deals and I'm looking at a lot of uh, pricing and, and, and looking at the land sales. So we've got a, a fairly well-rounded uh, view uh, of the market, talking to a lot of people. Uh, and trying to get their thoughts on on where things are going, and really trying to narrow in. I, I'm generally pretty conservative. I I uh, get some pushback from my clients, thinking that uh, their pricing or their project is better, and I haven't considered this, I haven't considered that. But uh, I actually have a Zoom call tomorrow with a client that thought my what my recommendation was too high. So that doesn't that doesn't happen too much, too often. So uh, um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting business to uh, to be in, trying to. Uh, um, you know, help my clients uh, make better decisions and, and just give them all the information that they need to, to make those decisions. I'm not making those decisions for them, um, but uh, I'm just giving them all the information and where I think the market is today. But the problem obviously is, is, is the forecasting of the future market, right? When you're buying a, 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 a piece of development land, you might not go to market with that land for three to four years. So it's always really difficult to, uh, to assess where the market is going to be. And, you know, the new condominium market in the GTA has gone up for 26 consecutive years in terms of pricing, in terms of the average pricing, right? So, uh, so generally speaking, developers are 
continually expecting future price growth, but it's the degree to which that price growth uh, um, determines what they can pay today. And, and so that's the, that's the big unknown, um, especially with construction costs going up with land, you know, obviously the land costs have been, been trending up uh, pretty quickly development charges um so there's a lot of uh, a lot of their costs are going up so it's hard to uh to, to make a purchase now not knowing what your revenue is going to be in three or four years so i try to help the best i can but again when when the markets get to what's happening right now with covid with rental rates with low interest rates with you know bubble-like conditions you never know what's what's going to happen it's pretty awesome. interesting that from, you know, er, quarter to quarter, we can be in a bubble. And then next thing you know, everybody's talking crash again. And then maybe we'll be in a bubble again. It's like it's moving pretty fast right now. I, I yeah. always used to hear from from my mentors that, you know, real estate was like a train. And it took a lot to actually slow that train down. And it took a lot to get that thing back up to speed. But it it seems right now it's it's a lot more volatile than ever. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, you had uh, CMHC coming out at the start of the pandemic calling for, a, you know, a 9 to 18% decline in, in house prices over the next 18 months, 18 months. And then the market went completely opposite of what, of what they said. So they, you know, they completely aired uh, in their, in their forecast, but uh, you know, one of the big factors, and you know, I've been talking about this for, for 10 years, is the, the presence of investors in our marketplace and, and how they can get completely excited about the market and buy a lot of stuff or they can you know, read the headlines and, and drop out. And, and that, that, that can swing the market so quickly here, uh, you know, left and right. You know, for, for, for the longest time, you know, the, the investors were only buying apartment products. Right, they're only buying condominiums. Uh, they were small. They were easy to rent. They were, uh, uh, you know, you if if prices went up or down, your 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 loss would not be as as much. Or if you're negative cash flow, the loss wouldn't be a, uh, be as as much. But then, you know, in that you know that 2016 2017 bubble like condition, a lot more investors were buying single family property because it was just going up so quickly in value. Right. Um, and you know, these, I'm, I'm talking about the, the investors that are not renovating the property and, and improving, improving it, adding value to it, that are simply buying it to resell it in, in three months or, or six months down the line. So we saw a lot more of that. And, 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 and certainly anecdotally, I'm hearing that that's happening again. But again, I'm not on the, I'm not on the front lines like some of the, uh, the, the resale agents that, uh, that are out there. But they seem to be saying the same thing, that investors for whatever reason in December, when they got the news that the, uh, that the vaccine was here um, and that uh, you know, potentially borders would be open by the middle of next year, they wanted to get the jump on it. They were, they were trying to, you know, as they say, buy the dip, you know, get, get in at the, 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 the lowest point in the marketplace. So um, again, that's my, that's my best take for why you're seeing much more volatility than you had in the past when it was more end users buying. Um, so, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a speculative, uh, um, 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 you know, mindset that's kind of happening in the market right now. There's a lot of people that, you know, would have been spending their money on vacations and, and going out to the movies and going out to restaurants and, uh, you know, drinking away a lot of those funds. Now they have some additional, additional money to, to go out and, uh, and, you know, real estate is just something that's easy to understand. You know, it's not, uh, it's not game stock, right? It's, it's not, um, you know, it's, uh, it's something tangible as opposed to, you know, maybe something like Bitcoin or, 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 or the stock market, right? It's, it's, they, it's just a hard asset. You can see it, you can touch it, you can walk through it. Um, you know, Toronto has, has, you know, consistently seen, Price growth over the you know, over the long term, so it's it, it's something that gets people's uh, gets people's attention, right? So, so who knows who knows when it's going to end? But uh, I have a feeling that the government is going to step in and 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 make some type of change to to cool the market. Interesting perspective, yeah. I think that uh, that's been in the headlines a little bit more lately. Uh, we've got obviously big concerns. The one thing that you said in the very beginning, Ben, that I think is a really important part, because there's so many different reasons why this is all happening. 
you said you and your wife went to go look at a house because your wife wanted to get a bigger house, right? A lot of yeah. people are, we're all inside our homes right now. We're living in a three bedroom, 1500 square foot house, whatever it was, when everyone was going in and out of the house all the time, you were rarely all home together. Nobody was ever really on top of each other. And now it's been almost a year where we're all kind of, you know, lacking privacy. We have less space. There's, it's constant, like, you know, the kids are screaming. There's always a mess. I'm trying to work from home. I'm in the basement. I'm doing my podcast Sunday morning. That need of, of more space is there at an unprecedented level. Yeah, I mean, especially with, uh, you know, not only people working from home, but, you know, educating from home, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, we're getting some good news on the vaccine side of things. Hopefully, you know, people can start to get back to work. But I think, you know, a lot of people are anticipating that they're not going to go back to the office, even, uh, you know, even after the entire country is vaccinated, right? So, they would like their own private space. They would, would do want some additional space. And yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I got three kids and, and three bedrooms, uh, you know, so, uh, um, you know, one, you know, someone has to double up, right. You know, with, uh, with, uh, with obviously me and my, in my wife and one. And, and so the kids are fighting. So I imagine, you know, a lot of people are in this, in the same spot and they want their own private den, right. They want something where they can lock off and, and, and go to work. So there's, there's definitely the demand for additional space. And as you know, we've, we've built twice as many condominiums as we do single family homes, right? And as you know, like I said, the, the market is dominated by investors and investors are buying small suites. So we're not building a lot of uh, family size units, especially in Toronto, right? There's hardly any family size units being built in the city of Toronto. So if you wanna stay here, you you're 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 you have to get into the to, to the low rise market. So yes, excess demand, uh, limited supply. It's a it's a it's a recipe a recipe for uh, a lot higher prices. So so, so I, we talk about it all the time. Um, so I mean, obviously there is a lot of froth. There's a lot of people talking about uh, excessive exuberance right now, and that things are getting frothy, but. Uh, Bank of Canada saying, doesn't matter, we need this growth to get out of this uh, recession. So we've got like high unemployment, we've got nobody coming into the city, but the actual underlying economy seems to be good enough to be warranting government intervention. It's like, it's a really kind of weird thing going on right here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we, uh, like, uh, I think I... I, I said on Twitter is it, we have a Venn diagram. We've got a circle of people that are buying homes over here. And then we have a circle of people that lost their jobs. They're in a bad spot and, and they're not overlapping. All right. So you've got these people that are, you know, they're white collar workers. They're still uh, doing a lot of business and, and they still, you know, they're, they, 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 they've got the cash to, uh, to go out and, and buy something. They, now they can afford something more because of the interest rates uh, that are out there, right? And then we have these people that have lost their jobs. So we need to, you know, provide stimulus to those, uh, stimulus checks to those people so they can pay their rent and they can uh, feed their families. And we need to keep interest rates low for a lot of these businesses that are not making an, uh, enough to pay their own rent, right? So they need to borrow some money to keep themselves afloat in the short term, hoping that when things open back up that they can, uh, um, you know, get back to full uh, throttle and and uh, and pay back this uh, debt that they're accumulating, right? So we need to keep interest uh, rates low to to make sure that uh, you know business credit is flowing. But obviously, the the uh, the um, potential negative of that is is it you know causes the housing market to go bananas like it is. And and uh, and as as I've said, we've we've completely underbuilt. In the, in the GTA, uh, as much as, as, as people, you know, you drive down the Gardner and you see all the high rises and you say, you know, how could we be underbuilding? But, you know, we were building more homes in 2002, right? Total number of homes. And then when you, if you just look at it on a, on a square foot basis, it's, it's you know, 25% more was getting built in 2002 than it, than it was in, in, in 2020 and 2019 because of the size of the homes and, and the transfer from uh, building low density housing to smaller condominiums. So the people that, you know, you, you can't house a three person family in 500 square feet, right? So if they're not building 
um, you know, 2,500 square foot homes for you, then you're going to bid up the existing homes, right? So it, it, it's unfortunate that uh, we, we, we can't figure out how to build more family-sized housing. And, and, you know, part of the reason is, is our, our politicians don't want to touch what they call the, the, uh, the yellow belt or the, 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 the single family neighborhoods. They don't want to allow development there. You, I mean, you, a, lot, a lot of instances you can't even build like a, a duplex, right? They, it's only single family homes on large lots, right? You, you can't build anything too modern. You can't build anything uh, too, too tall, right? So it's really um, um, reduced the ability of, of developers or, or, or small custom builders to provide a you know, a thousand, twelve hundred square foot homes for people that could keep them in the city and prevent them from, you know, moving to uh, uh, to East Gwillimbury or Milton or or Oshawa or Bowmanville or, or traveling way out to finally afford something that uh, that they can have their family in, right? So, yeah, it's, it's you know, I've been I've been blowing this horn for <laughs> for 10, 15 years, but I'll I'll take another opportunity to. Uh, to talk about the supply problem in in uh, in our region. So I'm glad one that of, one of the things, Ben, just quickly, is uh, I'm hearing this all sort of third party from Daryl. I'm not involved any in in any applications or developments and, and stuff like that. Too, is there a huge issue with the uh, red tape around developers right now getting approved for these projects? Has that changed at all in the last year, or is this just sort of what I'm hearing and and it's uh, more story than anything? Yeah, I think you know. From my perspective, uh, you know, I, I follow this stuff fairly closely, and and you know, maybe prior to 2013, it was taking like a year to 18 months for for a developer to put in a application, a rezoning application with the municipality, and to get approvals, uh, and so they would be be uh, uh, ready to go and and start sales and and, and get the project started, and then over the past seven to eight years, it seems like it now takes three even four years to get approval. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not completely taking the, putting the blame on the municipalities. Some of that is, is still the developer not, you know, getting the proper uh, uh, things together with the municipalities, but a lot of it is the municipalities, right? They, they are understaffed and they've, they've admit, uh, admitted it themselves that they don't have enough people to process, uh, you know, all of these applications uh, that are coming in and they're, and, and look, they're much more complicated than they ever have been before, right? So they're taller towers, more mixed use, uh, you know, different different uses. Um, so it's uh, you know closer to the adjacent towers. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are that are pushing these things back. And, and time is money, you know. Uh, you're you're you 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 borrowed money to buy this land, and that's uh, you got that burn every single month just eating through your pocket. So you more that you you burn on on financing you're, you're going to pass that on to the purchasers right you're not you're not deciding okay that's fine i'm just gonna build this tower for a five percent return right you know lenders won't they won't lend you the, the construction financing for for those types of towers right so uh that, that are not making enough profit so you need to pass that uh, uh those costs on to the purchasers and you've seen you know like uh, in my head, I'm sometimes I'm still stuck in 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 2011, 2012, when pricing went from $500 a square foot to $600 a square foot in the new condominium market. I just like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. $100 in a single year, and now it's it's 2021, and there's projects that are $1,500, $1,600 a square foot. It's essentially building the exact same product that you got in 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 2011, 2012, right? In a, in a worse area. More. Like it blows my mind. It just absolutely blows my mind, right? And uh, I just think back of all the people who sent me tweets about how pricing was so overvalued in, in 2011 at $500 a square foot. You'd have to be crazy to buy something in pre-construction. You're never going to make any money. And, uh, you know, I'm shooting myself that I didn't just borrow the, the, the uh, you know, every single dollar that I could to, to, to buy all these units, right? And, and, uh, and yeah, some of these investors are making some very good money. But, you know, where is that plateau, obviously, is the, is the question with rents down 20% and, uh, and these units hardly carrying, if not, you know, being negative cash flow on a, on a monthly basis. Where, 
where does uh, you know where do investors stop buying? Right? Are they only going to ever continue to buy on on capital appreciation? Um, and because uh, eventually that has that has to stop. It can't. You, you know, you can't. Um, you know, I think the growth over the last 15 years is 7% a year in the new condo market. Uh, but in the last few years, it's been 15, 20%. So you can't, you can't have that type of growth forever. Right. It's as, as, as people always like to say, it's unsustainable, which obviously it, uh, which is about the most obvious statement you could possibly make, but it's unsustainable. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I, I have the problem of, trying to help my clients maximize, uh, you know, their revenue on their project. But in the back of my mind, I say to myself, even though you can charge this, it's actually bad for the market long-term. It's the best for the market for everything just to step up gradually. Everyone's happy with like a four or 5% return, steady, steady eddy, things going up, no worries about up and down. But if you're yeah. just 20, 20, 20, and then it comes down 20, you know, that's not a, you know, obviously, you know, volatility is risk, right? So, so hopefully um, we can get back to a, to a market that's a little more stable, that is, uh, that's growing at a, a decent enough rate to attract investors um, and, and keep, in, uh, keep, you know, lenders happy on the mortgage side and the construction side and the land side, uh, but, uh, um, but not cause volatility and not screw up the long-term prospects of our market if we haven't already. Well, so Sorry, what? That no, that was a great answer. That was great. No, that was great. So, so, I mean, there's multiple issues in the process. That that's for sure. Whether it be, uh, I think you tweeted something out this morning about the yes in my backyard, or you you maybe you were talking about that this morning on Twitter. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a big fan of the you know the yimbies out there that are that are pushing for more housing. The argument from you know either you, you're going to get it on on the, the the far right and you're going to get it on the far left that why are we why are we pushing for new housing when new housing is expensive, right? And I say, well, why do we build any new cars then? New cars are expensive. Just build no new cars then, right? Like obviously you have to continue to purchase stuff because you won't get the older, less expensive product in the future if you don't build new now, right? So. I mean, the, the, the point I always make is there's going to be people that are richer than you. Unless you are Elon Musk or Bill Gates, there's always going to be people that are richer than you. So do you want that richer person buying the home that you want, or do you want them moving into a new home that with all the bells and whistles? They should be moving to that new home, right? That's like where you that. are so that you can afford the property that you want, and there's less bidders on the property that you want. I mean, it, it's just... It's the, an inability to look at something and then take the next step. What are the consequences of, of, of those actions, right? Uh, and, you know, th another great example is, the, uh, is, is rent control. I'm fine with rent control at 5%. We don't want rent gouging. We don't want uh, you know, people to be forced out of their homes because of huge increases. But if you only allow a 1% one or 2% one, uh, or, or increase in rents when some of the costs for these landlords are going up higher than that, then you're going to get negative consequences. You're going to get developers saying, I don't want to build because it's, it's, it's going to have rent control. And I'm not going to be able to make the type of return that I want. Or you're going to have, you know, some unscrupulous landlords, you know, saying, oh, we need to renovate your suite and, uh, and you know, put in uh, all these additional features to, 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 to cater to those more affluent uh, tenants that are out there. So, but landlords wouldn't be able to do that if there was more new housing <laughs> and those affluent tenants were all living in that new housing instead of now wanting to live in these older buildings that are that are renovated because uh, uh because there would be no no market for that so there's there's always these consequences but it's it's really hard for people to see it the you know the nimbies or the not my backyard people that fight new developments they've done a really good job at painting developers as terrible people, just greedy people that want to make lots of money and they don't care about the community, but you don't care about the community either because you don't want any new housing and you don't want new people coming into your community. You want to keep it tight. You want your values of your housing going up and you don't want any shadows. So 
you're just as selfish as the the people that you're accusing of being selfish. So it's it's uh, it's you know, an inability of people to look in the mirror, and they've gone and they've convinced the far left, they've convinced the the progressives that developers are evil, right? That all housing's expensive, so we don't we don't want new housing. Expensive, don't want it, right? So um, you know, I, I always you know do an example of of a grocery store. Say a grocery store wanted to come into your neighborhood and the rich people fought that grocery store and fought it and fought it and fought it. And you know, the, the, that, that company had to go and hire lawyers and, and finally got it built. But now that they've got it built and they've incurred all this, these costs, now they need to charge more for the groceries. And so a poor person goes into that grocery store and says, oh my God, the prices are so high. And that rich person that fought it the entire time will say, hey, look at this big company trying to screw you. Right, they're just greedy. <laughs> right, so like that, yeah. that, that's the analogy I try to give is 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 they caused the prices to go higher. Right, they're continually fighting new development and 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 developers and any type of change, even the most minute change that that's happening in these neighborhoods is is shot the costs up for everyone, and those costs get get passed on to uh, to to the purchasers. I mean. And it's not only just simple things like like that. I mean, they give us they give us these books that they call the guidelines and then they stick to them when they feel like it. But then you could you could go in with a building that meets every single guideline and then they still find some critique or criticism or some reason for you to go back to the drawing board. And I mean, that that, that it sounds minor, but I mean, now now you I don't know, every time you go back to the drawing board three months and that money is not cheap money right yeah so so yeah. three months is like hundreds of thousands of dollars in just interest payments let alone you know consulting fees to get the revisions done and then going back in for the application and that, like next thing you know you have three of those stupid little things that i mean in my experience like you're within the limitations that they've given you and they still come up with something that isn't written anywhere. Do you find that? Uh, yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, that's the one, the one thing I always kind of forget about, but it's, 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 it's a major issue. You know, people will say Toronto only builds these boring towers, right? What's wrong with Toronto architects? Well, they have to play within these tiny confines that are, that they're given by the, by the planning departments, right? In terms of, in terms of the setbacks and the, uh, the floor plates and, you know, not my area, Shadowing. but I hear it a million times, right? And yeah, you're going to put that application in and you have to build taller to, to, to make money because the fees have gone up and the time has gone up and, and the, oh, you're just, you're just being greedy. You should build a short little stubby tower, right? You know, not, not realizing that, you know, you build uh, bigger. That means you're creating more jobs. That means you're creating more, uh, need for supplies and a lot of those supplies are built here in the GTA and and so those suppliers create jobs and and those people have money to to go out and spend and the building gets built and commissions are paid and and people are buying you know uh, floor coverings and window coverings and and they're buying utensils and they're you know they're they're hiring design consultants and they're painting and you know there's so much spin-off cost um, that that come from a new development in, you know, not even taking into consideration all the additional taxes, taxes. That it's going to generate for the city, the development charges, the, 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 you know, the previously called the section 37 fees that go to improve community uh, benefits, uh, the, the money that goes to, to, to help pay for transit. You know, these are, you know, the real estate de uh, development industry is a cash cow for this city. Yet we continually try to make it difficult for them, which is, uh, which is a crazy thing to me. And I mean, I mean, I, I like the old city. I love Queen Street. I like I like heritage architecture. I don't think we should just bulldoze everything for the sake of uh, for the sake of new developments. But um, but this just a, when you think about it, you think that we're going to put an old, you know, nondescript two story retail uh, building because it's just old. You know, there's no has no heritage value. We just say we like that, and you're going to put that over someone's home. It's someone's house. Like someone wants to live there. Someone wants to come and experience Toronto and 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 all and, and all its greatness, right? And we're and we're we're saying no. This two-story retail building that's more important to us than you and your house, right? It's it's 
it's, it's almost disgusting, you know, if some of these NIMBYs actually had to go face to face with someone that wants to live in this city and, and they had to say to them, no, I think this, these, these, these 400 bricks are more important than you, right? Uh, and I wondered if, they, if they'd be able to, uh, to do that. Some of them have no qualms. Some of them will just come up straight and go, I don't want a rental building in my neighborhood. Renters are poor, they're criminals. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna make my neighborhood worse. You know, I didn't work my entire life to be able to afford to live in, you know, insert, you know, affluent neighborhood here uh, for these types of buildings to come in, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty sad in, in the end, right? And you think that we'd be able to come to some type of compromise in, in this city. I don't know and why. what's sort of your, your idea? So like the utopian uh, development process, what, what do you think? Daryl shared this a lot a few times on our show. So I know some of our listeners will be interested to kind of hear another perspective like if it's kind of down the same uh alley or not so what what would be the most ideal scenario to improve the lifestyles of everybody in toronto the development process obviously keeping prices down and and making sure that everybody has uh, a place to live what what do you think it would be a solution that may or may not be possible but yeah let me hear your thoughts yeah i think we need to pre-zone the entire city right so developer buys a site, he knows exactly what he's, he's buying, and he knows what exactly what he can build there, and it's a quick process, right? You, uh, and, and you need to, you need to get rid of these things called uh, the, you know, um, uh, the 45 degree angular plane. We, we, we've decided that uh, we could cut off, you know, 20% of a building or more just because we want to protect the privacy of a single detached na- neighbor nearby. It just it makes no sense, right? Who says that no one's allowed to look in your backyard, right? It's just, you know, I need my privacy. What are you doing back there, right? Like, well, <laughs> you know, you got your kid on the, uh, you got your kid on the equipment. You're having a barbecue. You're having a few, few beers. Like, close the blinds. Well, the same thing you do at a beach, right? Like, I don't understand what people are doing in their backyards. They don't want people uh, staring in. I'm like, don't you, you know, they're gonna stare into my house, like. Everyone's got blinds on their house, <laughs> you know, like um, it, it, it's just ridiculous that we're, we put <laughs> we put shadows ahead of, of, of houses and jobs and, and spin off spending and all that type, all that type of stuff. Right. So I think I think we need to pre-zone the entire city so people know what what can get built there. We need to, to push for additional densities. We need to say, hey, you know, we need to. We need to house more people that are that are that are close to jobs, and 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 some of these neighborhoods need to to have higher densities. And and yes, that's um, you know that may not be uh, ideal for some of you that want to live in Toronto in a in a in a a community of two-story homes. But you know we need to put uh, everyone's uh, um, um, uh, you know benefit to uh, at the forefront as as opposed to. To, to maintaining your your property value, so I think yeah, so pre-zoning the entire city, getting rid of some of these weird planning rules, and I think you know I think for sure that the city and the the, the province and, and and the feds should be investing in in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of of uh, affordable housing units. That just makes complete sense to me, right? This whole we need to balance the budget thing, you know. That's ridiculous. That's old. That's old thinking. We we haven't had any inflation for for years. You know, just print print some money or however you had to do it, and start building a, a whole whole ton of housing. It's going to pay for itself, right? And and getting those people out of shelters, uh, uh, getting those people out of courts, fighting evictions, and uh, and uh, draining the system because of uh, health costs. Uh, and it's going to provide jobs. Uh, it's going to provide those people a stable place to live, and 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 maybe they'll get a better job because they're not worried about uh, their housing situation or, or or all that type of thing. So I think housing should be a number one focus in our city. It's the it's the first thing you do when you move somewhere is you find a place to live, right? You 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 uh, find a neighborhood that's that's comfortable for you. So I think we should. You know, completely ramp up our our uh, affordable housing programs, or rent geared to rent geared to income, and uh, and even, you know, simply, you know, the the city buying condo units in in buildings, right? Just buy 10, 15 uh, units in every single building, right? And and you rent them below market, and they're scattered within the building. No one knows. There's not a there's not a corridor. There's not a separate entrance. They're not. We're not. We're not 
segregating all the poor people. We're, we're mixing them in together. And I think that'd be a fantastic way. You could help finance these new condo buildings. You're getting people in, you know, you can sell them whenever you want. You can sell them to the tenant uh, at some point in the future. I think that would be a fantastic way to, uh, to help help the city. So you're, 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 you know, you're, you're aligned with these developers, right? You know, this project gets built. Well, I'm going to house an additional 15 people or 20 people or 30 people on my affordable housing list. Right. So, um, I, you know, I've got a lot of ideas, but those are the ones that immediately come to mind. I like it. Is there any cities in the world right now that you feel are nailing the housing supply issue? Wow. Well, I mean, I look at my, you know, well, I used to live in Dallas, right? So um, Dallas is, is it has the advantage of, of there's no water, you know, there's, there's no, there's no lakes, there's no, uh, I mean, there's lakes, but there's no, you know, Lake Ontario sized lakes. Um, there's no, there's no green belt. There's no, uh, you know, mountains. Uh, there's no, you know, country borders. So they can ex essentially expand out, right? So, but, you know, as we know, you can only expand out so far and, and there's environmental concerns about everyone, everyone driving, but they make it really easy for developers. You know, they say, you want to build something? Boom, go for it, right? You know, we, we want, we want construction jobs. We want uh, economic activity. We want to house as many people as possible, right? And because they've built so many houses, then you know you don't see the huge price growth in that in that marketplace, right? Uh, a lot, a lot of the big multi-residential guys, multi-family guys, are are in Dallas. They're they're going to Dallas because that's oh, what yeah. I've heard is ton of supply, ton of like the market fundamentals are strong. Maybe not yeah, the most I mean, on appreciation, but it's still a good good yeah, market. And they obviously, I mean, they have an advantage of of um, weather, right? So you've got uh, um, you've got these garden apartments where there's no internal hallways, right? So the people uh, go up to the apartments on the outside of the building, right? Because they don't need to be protected from from uh, from the elements. Um, and because they have so much land, they can do above grade parking, right? They don't have to do underground parking, which is extremely uh, extremely costly. And then, you know, on their single family homes, they're not they don't need to uh, uh, build a basement to secure you because of permafrost and stuff like that, right? So just like a slab on grade and uh, and uh, you know not not um, being uh, politically correct, but they have a lot of illegal immigrant workers that build these houses. So the, uh, you know, the labor costs are, are way down as well. So there are some, you know, just some advantage from, from, from those perspectives. But uh, I mean, it's hard. There's very few large cities that are, that are doing it well, right? I think once you start to go away from low density housing and, and, and the high rise becomes their more dominant built form, you're gonna have a huge increase in, in, in the cost in your city because it's just so much more expensive to deliver an apartment than it is a wood frame, single detached home that you can build one at a time, right? You can't just build one apartment at a time. You gotta build the entire building, right? So you gotta finance the entire thing. A lot of times you gotta sell the entire thing. And if you're gonna build a rental building, then you need someone to be able to buy into your your revenue expectations at, at completion, which isn't always, easy to do if you've got uh, an environment of, of uh, conservative lenders, right? So, um, and, and once we changed over to stop, you know, building a lot less single family and, and townhome product and building more apartments, then we saw prices go up, you know, it's more expensive land, it's more expensive to build on a per square foot basis, it takes longer to build, so it's more expensive in terms of, in terms of financing, so the cost build any one unit or, 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 or any one square foot is way higher. And then it, obviously it's going to eventually permeate in that, out into the, uh, out into the, the cost for the, for the rest of the, the market. So it's a change that's happening here and, uh, and, and it's happening a lot of other major cities in the United States as well. So where would you say right now in the GTA is where a lot of people are starting to turn their attention in the in this new environment? What what what's a hot spot? What what's the next up and coming area for developers? Well, in terms of my studies, I am Mr. Scarborough. You know, I have done so many yes. studies. <laughs> unbelievable. Why? Why Scarborough? 
it's the it's the still it's the cheapest place in the GTA, and you still got uh, you got a go train, you got a subway, and an LRT, right? So uh, you good can people still, too. You can still get downtown um, and uh, uh, quite quickly, and it's right now there's ample land. So because there's uh, ample land, that keeps the land cost down. You can keep the the end selling price down. Uh, and so people are, are interested in it, you know, um, you know, Etobicoke is expensive, you know, uh, uh, you know, the only other untouched part of the city is kind of North, North, North York. <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, Scarborough's crazy. People are looking up and down Kingston road. Uh, obviously the golden mile is a, is a, is a, a spot that people would like to, to buy land in, but a lot of it's owned by, you know, big REITs and, and huge family companies because they're obviously the LRT is going all the way from uh, or the Eglinton Crosstown. I'm not sure if it's an LRT or not. I, sh I should probably know this, but it's going all the way to the Kennedy Station and, and, and you know, the plan is to expand it even, even, even farther. So we're going to see a lot of development along that stretch. And then probably within a bus ride, uh, you know, uh, north or south of that. And then you've got the, the you know, the GO train that, that kind of loops up uh, and goes up to uh, up to Stouffville, so everyone's looking around those those lands as uh, as well. So that's 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 the area that I'm, you know, I'm bullish on. Uh, you know, it's kind of in that 800 to 850 dollars a square foot range, which is which is you know pretty unbelievable um, in comparison to you know Young Street being 1500 dollars a square foot, right? Uh, it's not that it's not that far. I mean, if you're you're above 800 dollars a square foot and Georgetown and Newmarket and uh, you know in uh, in uh, Mississauga's you know city center is a thousand dollars a square foot and above you know you've got a thousand dollars twelve hundred dollars a foot in the North York city center right so prices have really you know gone through the roof so I still think there's value in in Scarborough uh, and I think that you know the 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 outer suburbs are now kind of becoming ripe for for condo development so I mentioned the the uh, you know the new market Aurora. There's a lot of lot of interest in in that market right now. I did I've done market studies in Innisfil and King City, um, Bowmanville, Curtis, Ontario, uh, Ajax, Pickering. You know you name it. You know people are looking in those markets to uh, just because a lot of those markets don't have any rental supply. So investors are are interested in in, in buying properties and then. You know, because the market is so hot, a lot of a lot of the older buyers are looking to kind of cash out, right? You know, uh, sell their sell their big home, the big the big two thousand, three thousand square foot home, move into a thousand square foot uh, condo rental, or buy that buy that condo and and uh, and uh, do some traveling with the with their funds. So I think there's 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 a a decent market for um you know for for that product, right? So. So we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been bullish on Hamilton too, even though I haven't done much, much work there because it's a city, you know, it's an old city. It's got bones. It's got grit, right? It's, it just seems like the perfect spot to be building some, some new modern glass towers in a lot of those parking lots and that, and in, in kind of the downtown core that they have and, and have that built up. So I think that's going to be a hot spot. I think a project just launched there a couple of weeks ago and sold out. Um, so, so congrats to that, uh, that developer, really cool architecture, you know? Um, um, so I'm excited mm -hmm. about, uh, about those markets, but uh, yeah, I have, I think now I'm probably a, a little sour on the downtown core. I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I've always been so bullish on, on being right downtown, but just the value play at 15, $1,600 a square foot, when rents are down 20%, it's going to be a while before the city really opens up again. Um, it it's it seems like there's going to be some arbitrage in terms of in terms of values, uh, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, <laughs> the downtown just continues to go up. So so we'll, we'll we'll see where the market is and 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 see where it goes. But yeah, I would I would definitely put Scarborough at the top of my list. Like it, music to our ears. I think there's developers downtown right now who have projects that they're not releasing because they're waiting for the, the, yeah, the we, dust we, to blow yeah, over. We, yeah, we've had a few a few launches. Uh, um, you know, Eight Wellesley came out and 400 King came out. So I haven't seen the early results for them, but you know, I understand that investors are still heavily interested in that. I think Prime from uh, um, um, from uh, Center Court is is launching soon and. 
Baker Real Estate launched uh, Canary District, which which I understand is 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 selling really really well. Uh, you know, obviously the West Donlands is a is a, an extremely uh, extremely nice new community there. I have always complained that they didn't build taller towers there. It seemed like the perfect spot where there's less of those those nimbies there. It's just a you know a giant new area that you could have you could have built tons of towers or at least a you know, a juxtaposition of some mid-rises and some super talls, right? I think it would have been the perfect spot for it. But as you know, our government, you know, always takes a conservative approach uh, when doing things. And, uh, and, and, you know, instead of, you know, they could have built a 50-story affordable housing tower there, right? But no, you know, they want to build quote-unquote human-scale buildings, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know if you're if you look up and your neck hurts, then what? That's not a human scale building anymore. I don't know. It's, it's the stupidest term. Gotta ever. move further gotta, away from the yeah. Building, walk so further to... back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah, there is. How tall? How tall? West Donlands. How tall are the buildings? Yeah, a lot of them are are maximum fifteen stories, right? They're like twelve to fifteen stories, right? Wow. So it. Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of them got built for the. Um, oh, the what was the the Panama? What Panama? <laughs> <laughs> Not the Panama games. I'm screwing the name up. Pan Am right? games. What is it? Pan Am. Pan Am. Oh God! Someone's gonna play this, record this for me. But yeah, the Pan Am games, the 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 uh, student village there, right, or the athletes village. But yeah, you know, it was a, a complete missed opportunity to to build something a lot better and 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 be more mixed use and mixed income. Um, but it's it's it is what it is. It's another another missed opportunity for our city to to do something better than it has. Absolutely, so that's the answer. That's the answer. <laughs> Taller buildings, more supply. The one thing, because we're we're running out of time here, but the one thing that you talked about was the rental uh, rent control, and so Alberta has got an amazing model. And what controls their market, and what controls landlords from just raising rents, is the market. They know they can't just go and push everybody out and raise the rents to an you know unbelievable amount because they'll have no tenants. So yeah. they have to keep those rents. And sometimes it's a two percent increase. Sometimes they don't rent uh, raise it at all. And yeah, sometimes it'll be a five percent uh, rental increase because that's what the market is saying. But it's not out of control there. Well, there's all these vacant units with these high skyrocketing rent asking prices because the landlords need to fill those tenancies. So yeah. the market really does control everything. Like rent control is. Uh, you know, to me, it's it's outdated, and it's something that I think needs to be revised again. Even though now, like November two thousand eighteen, new new construction that stirs a little bit more supply, but uh, I think that they should be looking at the uh, current rent control from the units built before then too, just to try to. I mean, you don't need rent control if you build enough units to satisfy demand. I mean, it's 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 simple as that, right? Yeah. This whole talk about financialized owners. Oh, there's too many financialized owners. They like to make up some buzzwords that to to scare poor people, right? The reason why rents are going up is because demand, or prior to prior to 2020, prior to the pandemic, was demand was far outstripping supply, and that's the reason why rents go up. If your landlord has a vacant unit and there's a thousand other units that are exactly the same as theirs do you think that they can raise rent no they cannot because you are going to leave and go to one of those other uh, apartments because they're going to come in at a much cheaper rate and that's the way you keep a market from uh getting out of control i mean it's just it's simple economics 101 i mean there's always going to be speculation in, in the in the housing in the for sale housing market you can't always match supply and demand every single year but you have to make an attempt to to do so and try to build as much housing for the demand that you you have and 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 Toronto as you know is an amazing city it's attracting people from all over the world we're we're a, a tech hub uh, we're we're a welcoming city but uh, just think of all the people that could have can't come here that can't because the the house the cost of uh, of living is is so high and that's and that stinks, you know. That's, mm -hmm. that's terrible that people are are deciding to go somewhere else that could have that could have come here just because we've decided that shadows are important. That we've decided uh, that a two-story, you, know, um, you know, brick building is more important than than economic development and housing and jobs is 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 crazy. And that we continue to, uh, you know, elect some of these uh, these uh, politicians that are just puppets for the NIMBYs and will just uh, squawk, 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 developer bad, me good, 
you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And, 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 uh, and hopefully we have, you know, you know, the, the Globe and Mail did a great article, and I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, Alex uh, Bazikovich from the Globe and Mail. He continues to bang the NIMBY drum. He's obviously an architecture guy. He wants to keep a lot of these, these older buildings, but build around them and, and, and build better. And, and there'd be less pressure on some of these top, you know, uh, uh, um, um, you know, architecturally stunning buildings if we allowed housing in other areas, right? There wouldn't be as much pressure on some of these these older projects to be torn down. So that's that's a lot of his point, and 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 I hope that we we uh, we start to see that, and we and we uh, make changes to our city to to welcome as many people that, that want to live here, and not force others out of the city that have stayed here, that want to stay here. So with everything that I mean, we talked a lot of macro stuff, but in the short term here in the city of Toronto, based on everything that we've touched upon. What uh, what do you see in the in the short term, the next four eight weeks? Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't see any end to this kind of froth that's happening in the marketplace. Uh, um, it will be interesting to see. I haven't seen much. I mean, there's been a few articles about uh, about bubbles and stuff, and and some of our talking heads are are speaking that up, and some of the economists are speaking that up. So I I think that will that will start to scare people will it scare enough people i don't know i mean that's always the the question the, it's 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 not the same as it was 10 years ago where everyone was reading the same articles in the star and the globe uh you know the the media is so much stretched out uh now some people are not reading those those big media articles that that, that got a lot of attention so i think in the short term we're still going to see some see some price growth uh, the new market, I think investors are still interested. Um, I think they are, um, I think some of them are being cautious, you know, uh, and, and they're not going to overpay, but then I see some deals sell out and I, I shake my head at the valuations. Like, why would you pay that? <laughs> right. So, um, so we'll see how, how investors treat this, uh, treat this marketplace. If they're still buying, like they are with when rents are going down 20% and uh, you know, and there's so much job loss at the bottom of the market, which, which, which is the people that you would be renting them to and, and hopefully, you know, selling uh, these units to in the future that I don't know what can stop the new market. It's, 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 it's a runaway train, but I think it's a positive. We got, you got, you got to love these, these investors because they're, they're creating jobs. They're, they're taking a bet on, on the future of the Toronto market. And, and what's better than that, you know, to, uh, to get housing built and get that supply built. Awesome. Well, this has been a really uh, informative podcast today, Ben. This has been a lot of information. It seems like you're the guy to go to when people have, uh, when people have questions, can you guys, well, can you just give us some of the connections to your, your website and, and sure, sure. everything else and just so people can hear it? I complaining so much about, about other, other people. Uh, there's some blame on me, obviously, for pushing, pushing higher prices. So I, I, I was going to say, my, yeah, how, how, how many of those uh, projects that came out at, at numbers that you think are crazy, did you actually back that valuation on at the beginning? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So anyways, yeah, you can, I'm on Twitter at <laughs> Ben Myers two nine bullpenconsulting.ca is, uh, is where you can find me. Go to the, if you Google national rent report by rentals.ca and, and Toronto rentals.com uh, you know, some of my blogs and posts are on there and, and Toronto under construction is my podcast. So if you're out walking the dog, you know, me and, and, and Steve Cameron, we, we chat to developers uh, mostly about, about their their careers and 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 ask them some some different questions about uh, about buildings about uh, uh, about the market about lending um, you know, about their management style you know we try to try to ask them different questions on there than uh, than the typical and and, uh, and like like you it's a long format so we we get to know you get to know our guests and I think it's fantastic I, I love the long format as opposed to you know the five or six minute uh, interviews where you don't really get to know the guests very well awesome yeah yeah. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. I'll put a link to uh, everything that you mentioned down below for all of the uh, eight people that are still listening to us right now. <laughs> and if those eight people haven't liked, commented, or subscribed to our channel, now's the time. Now is the time. Well, again, thank you so much for your time on a lovely Sunday morning in exile. We appreciate your time. 
No problem. It was a great interview. We'd love to uh, get you on the show in a few months for uh, another recap, see if this uh, market is in a bubble or crashing or both again simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so right, much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, thanks ben. ben. Yeah, bye-bye. Take it easy. New on Curiosity Stream, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Kim Kardashian. Tycoons are in many ways the lifeblood of society. They are willing to put everything out there. They're willing to lose everything. See how the super elite use their money and power to shape our lives on Tycoons. Plus, from Japan's unbreakable super code to the algorithm mining your Bitcoin, we're breaking down the world's most famous encryptions on cracking the code. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.